forces are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And a happy new year to everybody listening to Winning Ponies. I hope you had a great new year, a wonderful Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. I hope you had a great time getting together with your family and enjoying the holidays. I know uh, I certainly did. And then, of course, got the chance to peek at a little bit of racing here on some of the outlets that provide it. And uh, actually made a little money over the holidays uh, picking the ponies. So that was a a good time had by me, not all. Uh, Coming up tonight, uh, two veterans of winning ponies that are always a pleasure to hear. The first will be a gentleman that uh, just won a very prestigious award from the National Turf Riders Association. And it's the Walter Haight Award for Career Excellence in turf riding and uh that individual is none other than marty mcgee a lot of times i have him out as a handicapper uh, particularly when it gets close to the derby and uh keeneland uh, he is a louisville native uh so he's got his uh ear to the ground of course his brother paul is a uh, very well respected trainer So Marty McGee will be our first guest, and we want to talk to him about the Walter Haight Award and maybe who some of his favorite writers were. (coughs) Excuse me, folks. Uh, Mr. Frog jumped in my throat just before the show went on. But, uh, I mean, people that won this are are just, uh, you know, legendary. Uh, You know, Red Smith, who actually has an award named after him for the best Kentucky Derby story, uh, won the Walter Haight Award. Then uh, some more of the old ones, uh, the, perhaps one of the most revered writers of horses of all time, Joe Hirsch, an amazing historian. Uh, he had a mind that kept details of every race he covered and perhaps some he just read about but he knew so much he knew everybody on the backstretch joe hirsch just fantastic and check this out any idea who his roommate was in new york none other than joe namath (laughs) and if you knew joe hirsch he was nothing like joe namath uh then the, the legendary uh uh, Bloodlines author uh, uh, Leon Rasmussen, uh, Bill Leggett, who uh, you may have grown up reading in Sports Illustrated, and uh, you know, of course, uh, Bill Knack, uh, Sports Illustrated, and the guy that when you think of stories about Secretariat, uh, you think about Bill Knack. He's one of the people we lost this year, and then more current people like uh, Jay Havde, Andy Byer, uh, Jenny Reese, Gary West, who's been on the show a lot. Uh, Jay Privman, who's a regular on Winning Ponies. Uh, you know, I can't name them all, but all I can say is just from the names I've dropped, uh, he is in very, very good company. So we're going to talk to Marty McGee and see how it feels to get the award. I don't know if he'll just poo-poo it or if he'll accept uh, being in that fraternity as, as a real honor. And then our, our second guest is Eric Wing. Of course, he's the communications director for Horse Tourneys uh, right now, but uh 
he's done everything with about 20 years in the sport now. He, he worked for the NTRA, uh, the, the New York Racing Association, the Daily Racing Form, um, perennial MC of the NTRA National Handicapping Championship, and just a, a very well-read, uh, astute individual who follows the sport closely. So uh, Eric Wing's going to kind of take us back over the last 12 months and uh, take a look at uh, what happened in, uh, in racing and all facets uh, of the sport in the year 2018. Remember, folks, when you're writing your checks out, Remember to put 2019. Um, got some really sad news today, just hours ago. A friend of mine and a friend of a lot of people in racing, Gary Jones, died. Uh, he had a massive heart attack on December 30th. Um, you may not know Gary unless you read bylines on fo- photos. Uh, he was an outstanding photographer. But I think more than that, uh, he was an outstanding person. Uh, This came really unexpected. Uh, You know, he wasn't, you know, particularly overweight. Uh, He was always working out because every time you saw him, he was hauling about 40 pounds of photographic gear. Uh, Did a lot of work uh, for the Blood Horse and for the Associate Press. And then recently, kind of uh, uh, Bellarmine University kind of made him – their main photographer uh, that that is in the, the Louisville area, and he died just hours after shooting a Bellarmine basketball game. Of course, uh, doing work for the Blood Horse, who was close to Ann Eberhard, and uh, she recalled how Gary would graciously help other photographers, and he'd, he'd lend ladders to people that didn't bring one so they could get a good angle, uh, you know, on the inside. Uh, rail of big races you know he, he was just a great guy and said and i have to co-sign that you talk about helping other photographers um, i've got a most recent story of the breeders cup this year uh like an idiot i bought a i upgraded my camera bought a new camera uh just uh, you know a week before the breeders cup and of course it came with a, a booklet and it's like oh boy i got some things to learn here wasn't that much different, but I was hunting and pecking, and every now and then something would pop up uh, on my on my screen. It's like, whoop! Where did that come from? So uh, w- when I got there, I was trying to make sure I had my focus right, and uh, you know, because you, the way this camera sets up, you can focus in in different areas of the screen when you're shooting a subject, and uh, I wanted to make sure that mine was center focused. Wasn't sure if I had it right, so I look out. And I see Gary, and I say, Gary, can I use your help for a second? He says, no problem. I'll be right there. And I came down to where I was sitting. He goes, I told him what I was looking for. He looked at my camera. He said, well, you did a pretty good job. You're absolutely center-focused. You didn't need my help at all. But I did love his camaraderie. Uh, Gary Jones was just super. You never saw the guy when he wasn't smiling or cracking a joke. Um and uh, he will truly be missed. Uh, uh, services that have not been set, but uh, he was just a, a great member uh, in the fraternity of photographers that I have been so blessed to be a part of uh, over over my career. Um, let's take a look now at uh, some of the things that have happened uh, over the past. And there's no way I'm going to get to all the race results because, as you know, we took last week off. So uh, the last time... 
I was on with you. We were handicapping the the, the fairgrounds with uh, Ryan Martin, and that goes back to the races before Christmas. So, uh, anyhow, uh, we will get to his the, the results of the races I handicapped with him. But uh, let's, let's go over some of the titles. Big surprise here. Chad Brown, the numbers are in. He sits firmly atop the leading trainer's podium by purse earnings in North America for the third consecutive year. Uh, Just another banner season for Chad Brown. He's now a two-time Eclipse Award winning trainer, scoring two Breeders' Cup victories this year uh, with uh, newspaper of record in the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies and in the Maker's Mark Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare, Turf Sister Charlie. This guy is a class act. Of course, he uh, passes on. um, Congratulations to everybody on his team and says, you know, we have the best uh, uh, farriers. We've got the best exercise riders. I've got the best grooms, assistant trainers. Bottom line is he sent out the winners of 224 races from 839 starts for total earnings of, drum roll please, 27,000. Nope, wrong. 27,546,000. Pretty much on par with last year's tally. He notched 47 graded stakes victories. 36 of those 47 were earned on the Turf. So remember that, uh, winning ponies fans. Uh, when uh, when you're betting uh, Brown, look for the grass races because that's where he is a standout. And speaking of uh, winning ponies and betting, I uh, want to remind you about pulling down the easy win forms this week. Uh, racing gets a little uh, out of the way. You might be looking at tracks you don't normally bet because this is kind of a, a thin time in the graded stakes racks. And uh, But anyhow, a little Christmas present for everybody at Charlestown, a $1 pick six. How about this? $8,846. And hope you were celebrating New Year's Eve at Laurel. Uh, we had a $1 super that paid $3,661. And, of course, uh, all eyes starting to turn to uh, Gulfstream Park. And yesterday we had a $0.50 cent Super 5 key that paid 2849 All right, I'm already running short on time. There was so much to talk about. Again, if you were with us um, two weeks ago, because we took a week off, we were went to the fairgrounds. It was a great set of uh, stakes races there in the Bonapaw. It was Win Time, who was one of the favorites. Martin Peroza got him home. Uh, then we moved up to uh, the uh, n- next one, our handicapping card, the Letlier Memorial. And the winner in there, Bells the One, one of the races uh, that uh, one of the horses that Ryan liked, Florent Giroux, up on this two year old, trained by Neil Pesson. There's a name I haven't heard in a while. Neil's a good guy. And then uh, the uh, blushing KD on the grass. We said there was no real standout, but the horse that was standing in the winner's circle was Bo Recall, trained by Brad Cox. And uh, this guy, we got to get him on the show. He is something else. All right. Again, from the fairgrounds back two weeks ago, the tenacious, the, the winner was number seven, Tom's de Tot. Big return. We talked about this horse. Uh, he'd only had one start in uh, 2018, but came back, 
big time $75,000 stakes race there. Let's see, John. Okay, we then we went to the Buddy Deliberto. I remember well when I was working down there. An Irish bred, great wide open, got the job done for Irishman James Graham in the saddle. I was there when he won his first North American victory at Little Old River Downs. And then uh, back to the two-year-old Colts. In the Sugar Bowl, the winner was Gray Attempt, who did it on the front end. Sean Bridgemahan had a great day that day. Three stakes victories. And we rounded out that stakes-filled card with a wide-open maiden special weight. The breeding in here was just unbelievable. But the word was out on Cornacia, a son of Tappet, out of the Brazilian mare, great hot. Went off an even money and just got up by a nose under another promising first-time starter from the Asmussen barn. Remember this one. <laughs> Comedian is the name of the horse. All right. Well, that pretty much uh, rounds out a lot of uh, what has happened over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, again, some, some happy things, some sad things, uh, but nonetheless, all newsworthy. We thank you very much for uh, joining us and listening to Winning Ponies. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be with Marty McGee. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, Eclipse Award-winning writer Marty McGee. 
and the honors keep coming his way. Of course, Marty's no stranger uh, to you if you uh, have ever picked up a daily racing form and want to follow the big circuits from uh, Florida, and particularly Marty's strength, uh, his home state of Kentucky, uh, Keeneland and Churchill Downs. Uh, we've got Marty with us right now from, uh, I guess, uh, beautiful, warm uh, Florida at the moment. Is that correct, Marty? Yeah, I'm on Hollywood Beach. I've got, actually got, uh, I've moved around. I've been here, uh, coming here every winter since 96, except for the one where I, I was sick, John. And uh, I've had various places, but this is the best condo I've had ever. And it's uh, it's a two-bedroom on the boardwalk in Hollywood Beach that Ron Anderson, uh, the agent for Joel Rosario, vacated, and he wanted me to kind of be his placeholder for him and you know because ron took rosario out there to santa anita instead of up in here uh in florida so yeah it it is sweet that is great marty that is great i'm I'm booking a flight down there right now so but i I want to get back it's a two it's a two bedroom come on it's a two bedroom come on (laughs) There you go. I'll buy the beer. Uh, listen, Marty, at the head of the show, I'm sure you didn't hear it, but uh, I, I did announce that uh, you've been honored with the uh, Walter Haight Award, uh, which is given for a career of excellence in in, in turf writing. And Marty, I, when I look at some of the people in here, many of which I, I read since I was a kid, I mean, we're talking, you're in the league right now with names like uh, Red Smith, uh, Barney Nagler. How about Joe Hirsch, perhaps one of the most revered, uh, uh, excellent turf writers ever. Uh, you know, then you got the Sports Illustrators, Bill Leggett, uh, Bill Knack, who sadly we lost this year. And then in, in modern times, many people who are contemporaries of yours, like uh, uh, Jenny Reese, uh, uh, Tom Lamara, uh, Dick Girardi, people you know, people of partners of yours on the daily racing forum, like uh, Steve Haskin, Jay Privman, Stephen Christ. I mean, uh, you, you can't just shake this off, Marty. This is uh, really an amazing career achievement to be named alongside these writers. Well, it's it's one of the highlights of my career and my life, John. To be to be honest, I was very humbled. Uh, we had the National Turf Riders Dinner on the night of Halloween, uh, October 31st, and I'll never forget it. Um, not only were a lot of my colleagues like Jay Pribman and Dave Granning and Jay Hubdy on hand, but I had uh, two tables of eight, so there were 16 of my friends and, and my family, my mom and one of my daughters, my other daughter's uh, in Seattle, and uh, my brother. And uh, I gave about a 10-minute speech, and I uh, couldn't thank enough people. I gave a big shout-out to my brother and and my daughter. And, uh, you know, my brother, Paul, he's won more than a 1,000 races. And it's just, uh, it was great to have him recognized. My mother just turned 80, and she looks fabulous for her age. And uh, Great. It was just a big, big night for our family. And uh, I wanted to go over... Uh, besides the some of the people who hired me and I worked with all those years, but you know when you write about horse racing, it's not just the Bob Bafferts and the Todd Pletchers and the Mike Smiths. Although ironically, Baffert was there and introduced Mike Smith, who who won uh, one of our awards. But uh, there's been, just been so many people like Richard Conhorst and and Greta Kunzweiler and Mike Morgan and. And so many people that I've had the privilege of really delving into their life stories and 
and some of the things, the uh, ways they've been affected in racing. So um, I closed my speech, John, you'll, you'll like this, with I had uh, transcribed the last few uh, sentences that our friend John Asher used when he accepted the his first of five Radio Eclipse Awards back in uh, 1988. And uh, I had a hard time making it through that just because, uh, you know, how much we all love John Asher so much. So, uh, it was, it was, again, it was a night I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah, it, it's funny. I'm looking here. You know, I made notes uh, previous to our interview, and one of the names I have down there, you know, is is John Asher. And what are the great losses uh, he was to the sport? Because I'm sure over the years he was a huge help to you around Derby time. Absolutely. I mean, plus he was a friend. He was a, um, you know, my mom worshipped the ground he walked on because he was a big booster of, of the uh, a lot of the Catholic organizations in Louisville, and, and including the Knights of Columbus. And she'd heard him speak on a, on a number of occasions and. Always such a, a great guy. As a matter of fact, the, the second radio eclipse he won back in 89 was on my brother Paul. And uh, John went to my mom and dad's house and interviewed them about him. And uh, so, of course, she never forgot that. And then John actually drove up to Maryland where I was working at the time. And Paul was stable at the time back in late 88, early 89. You know, we're going back 30 years. And, uh, you know, he just created such a favorable favorable impression on us uh you know as a family and then just think of of all of the different lives he impacted along the way in, in his duties with uh with churchill downs and before that in the racing industry he was just a you know life is so hard john when when you lose a guy like john asher and it's uh you know we, we none of us are making it out of here live you know but uh it, that that one really stung it really did, and he was a personal friend of mine too. And I don't ever remember him frowning. <laughs> no, as much, you know, he'd be carrying the weight of the world around Derby Week, and he did it all with a smile on his face. And he knew everybody. He was the mayor of Churchill Downs. You, you miss guys like that. So let me uh, rewind just a little bit. You know, I I named that list of outstanding uh, turf writers uh, earlier, and what I wanted to know is Marty. Who did you read growing up and getting into racing? Well, there was a guy named Mike Barry who wrote for the Louisville Times. Um, I thought Billy Reed did an excellent job on uh, on racing. And his good friend, Jim Bolas, who left us too early in 1997. I remember it was Preakness Week of 97 when uh, we got word that Jim had died of a heart attack. He was a fabulous historian and, and writer. Um, to this day, I still think that Jay Hubby's probably the best writer about racing I, I, I've ever read, and I'm proud to be on the same staff with him at the Racing Forum. And, um, you know, I, I've read the Joe Palmer books um, and uh, it, Red Smith. I didn't read too much of his stuff. And, and you know what, John? I really tried to research Walter Haight, uh, but he, he passed so early. I think he died in 1964, and it's really hard. Even on the internet, you can't really find any stuff. I, I would have had to go to a, the Library of Congress or, or somewhere, you know, closer <laughs> to to Washington to to find some of his material. But uh, uh, you know, racing is such a it provides such easy fodder for us for us riders in terms of uh, telling stories that people really want to read. And uh, I really feel privileged to be in the position I am. 
Well, I just want to let you know, every person you just mentioned has won the Walter Hayde Award. So you are in a very exclusive fraternity, especially for people that you held up that, that you admire. Now, Marty, I want, I want to check with you. Um, as far as, and, and I know how fertile the backstretch is uh, for, for stories. And I don't care if you're at Mahoning Downs or Churchill Downs. Um, but uh, can you tell me, like, what, what was, like, what was the weirdest thing that ever happened when you were covering a story? It could have been in the middle of it, before, after. Uh, can you re- recall an instance where it was you were just like, you've got to be kidding me. This just happened? Well, I'll tell you, um, the saddest I ever got, and I actually was, was reduced to tears, was when Mike Morgan, who was the leading jockey at Keeneland in either 78 or 79, it must have been 79, when I was a freshman at the University of Kentucky. Years later, I'm with him in the Churchill Downs track kitchen. This has to be probably around late 90s, early 2000s. And Mike Morgan, I don't know if you remember him. He, oh, yeah, he, he, he rode for, in Ohio. Yeah. So, you know, he, he had tongue cancer. And Mike was describing for me, John, the torturous, uh, treatments that he had to undergo to, to remedy this and correct it, or else he was going to die. And uh, it was such an excruciating thing. And of course, his, his tongue, after it was worked on, he couldn't talk real well. So he was talking in a certain way, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, uh, uh, you know, because I grew up admiring him and thinking, here's this, this superhuman kind of rider who was, he, he was beating guys like, Jim McKnight and Julio Espinosa and Don Brumfield back in the day. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it, it just really, and he was such a nice guy. And I don't, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but, uh, but that, that was one. I'll tell you something else. When I was real, <laughs> this is a true story. When I was, when I was, a, uh, I had to be a freshman or sophomore at University of Kentucky. It's one of the first things I ever did in racing. It was for the Kentucky Colonel, the University of Kentucky School newspaper. And I went into the Keeneland Jocks room and interviewed Ronnie Franklin. And we were the yeah. same age or so. And he, more or less, I, I don't remember exactly, but he let it be known to me that he was on some kind of amphetamine or something right then and there. And did I oh. want any? And, of course, I'm like, hubba da hubba da hubba da hubba da You know, so, uh, you know, those are a couple <laughs> things that stand out. Uh, just, uh you know, people really, uh, there's something about um, just having a one-on-one where people who are not, you know, cowed by a large audience, although their story is eventually going to go to a large audience, how they're very forthcoming and revealing and uh, and can get, uh, you know, you can really get to the heart of their story. And, uh, and, and that's happened to me uh, quite a few times, as opposed to, you know, like the very staged uh, press conferences and, and, and the like. Uh, I really enjoy, you know, getting to know people on a personal level. Well, yeah, uh, you know, I was reading through, you know, I always do the year in re- review, and it kind of flew under the radar. I didn't realize that Ron Franklin died this year. Um, yeah, it was sad. Age- you know, I got to know, my, I, I worked for the uh, Baltimore Sun from 85 to 92, and I got to know Ronnie a little bit then. Uh, you know, so this is years after all the, his spectacular bid years. And he was from a really poor area, either Essex or Dundalk. Uh, 
uh, in like southeastern Baltimore, that uh, and uh, he always had a hard time, and and it was it was like a gift to him that Buddy Delp took him under his wing, and and Ronnie more or less would admit this that he kind of uh, you know he just kind of wasted that, he just kind of just let it go, didn't know what he had at the time, and uh, he struggled mightily uh, with with substance abuse uh, as the years carried on, and he. He was just a, a pretty shining example of, of talent that, that went went awry. Well, uh, just a minute ago, you talked about the ability to meet some people that, uh, shall I say, bear their soul. And your story that won you the, the Eclipse Award on the dis- mostly Kent DeSormo, but the DeSormo brothers and family, uh, I think has to be one of the most uh, shiny examples of a writer being able to get someone to really bear their soul about some very personal situations, Marty. Uh, You did an outstanding, well, obviously you won an Eclipse Award for it, but did you know when you finished penning that thing, like, wow, this is good. Well, I probably yeah because I put a lot of time and and I, I actually let Keith DeSormo read the story, the unfinished, unposted version. And when he called me back after he read it, he goes, "Man, you put your heart and soul into this thing, didn't you?" I said, "Yeah." I mean, I did because I just felt like it was a, a tale that needed to be told. And and the the gist of the story was uh, Keith, for the first time, had a derby prospect, and yet Kent was not riding it. And I was like, why? And so Keith and I drove back from New Orleans where my brother was stabled. And, and, uh, we drove back to their house, to their, uh, hometown of Maurice, Louisiana. It took about four hours because Keith was insistent on us going through Lafayette. Keith is a brilliant guy. He's a college graduate who, who knew all about, uh, his home area, and he was just really proud to show off Lafayette and, and some of the surrounding areas before we got to Maurice. And then my brother came and picked me up and drove me home that night. And uh, the, the enduring memory for me is uh, Brenda DeSormo, Keith and Kent's mother, uh, when we uh, dared to go into the subject of Kent drinking, uh, she pretty much broke out, broke down in tears right away. And because uh, it was obviously a, a touchy subject so um but as far as i know keith is uh keith keith's business is great out in california kent is doing great he's right about to uh hit the seven thousand mark i think is either six or seven thousand and uh you know i remember when he was a kid when dave vance brought him around in in the fall of 86 in maryland Uh, i was working there at the time and uh so that's how far back we go and uh you know, one of the things, John, I don't know if you saw the Eclipse, of the uh, Walter Hate program, the, the dinner program we put out, but I insisted that they have a picture of the wind photo of the 1988 Walter Hate handicap run at Laurel Park. And my brother and I are in the picture because my brother had the winning horse, <laughs> Baltazar B, and the winning jockey was Kenta Sormo. So that was more than 30 years ago. It's a precious thing. So I'm, I'm really, really proud of, really proud of that. 
It is, Marty, and it, it, it's it's a precious thing talking to you and uh, for you sharing these moments. My God, we could go on for an hour because you know you, you don't win a record, a uh, an award for career excellence in turf riding if you haven't been there and done that, and you have. And I will close this with this: I remember the day was Keeneland. I had read the story uh, that you wrote about the Tormos. You were getting off the Keeneland elevator. I was getting on the elevator, and I looked at you, and I said, you're going to win the Eclipse Award. I mean, that's how that story moved me, Marty. It was like, hands down, this is the best thing I read all year. So with that, I will let you go because you're probably going to trot out on the boardwalk and maybe find a nice bistro or something. But uh, I I wish you nothing but the best, and I thank you for spending the time with us, and I – Again, have have always uh, enjoyed your writing. I mean, you, you still got to do the day to day grind, but every now and then you knock one right out of the park, Marty. All right, John. Well, I appreciate that a lot. You're a good friend, and I really and truly hope you have a great 2019. It's back at you. We've been blessed to talk to Marty McGee. I'm sure we're going to have him on. He's going to be covering the races at Gulfstream in Tampa, and Marty's a One hell of a handicapper in addition to being one hell of a writer. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to my man, Eric Wing. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, who uh, a guy that's almost a regular on the show now, Eric Wing, the communications director for HorseTourneys.com. And I uh, want to let you know there's some interesting stuff coming up. Hey, 
I've got Eric to do it. I'll probably screw up something. But, you know, we're talking about winning a $12,000 seat this weekend to the Pegasus World Cup. And there's also up for grabs to the National Handicapping Championship. Eric Wang, welcome to Winning Ponies. And tell me what's going on before we start talking about the year in review at horse tourneys. Because, as you know, most of the people listen to this show are horse players. Well, good evening, John. Yeah, we've had a great year. I guess we've just concluded a great year at Horse Tourneys, another year of running all of the qualifiers for the National Horse Players Championship, a.k.a. the NHC, and also the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge, BCBC. But we go all year long. In fact, the only times we're not open at horsetourneys.com is when there is no racing. So we got a couple days off on Christmas Eve and Christmas. That means we're raring to go for about another 300 days or so. All so, right. Um, <laughs> we've got uh, this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're giving away eight seats guaranteed to the upcoming NHC in February at Treasure Island, Las Vegas. Um, we have cash games uh, with various purse guarantees that will total about 43000 when all is said and done. Uh, the, the the big $12,000 entry fee that can be won on Sunday is, is that to the Pegasus World Cup uh, betting champ, championship at Gulfstream on Pegasus weekend, the 25th and 26th of this month. Um, also, the Keeneland Grade 1 Gamble, Horse Player World Series. If it's a big tournament, you can win a seat to it at horse tourneys as well as a lot of cash. That's great. Now, do I have to pay to get into horse tourneys? Do, what do I have to do to, like, become a player? Well, you can uh, certainly surf the site for free. There's, uh, there's no uh, firewall or anything like that. And you can also play for free. We have free games uh, for newcomers. Um, and, in fact, that's a great first step to get the feel of the site. It's very intuitive, user-friendly, so I don't think it'll take very long to scan the home page and see what we're all about. But uh, you can get your, you dip a toe in the water and then uh, you can open up a, an account very easily and you can play for money for as little as uh, three bucks a game. So, of course, we have some games with much higher entry fees, but uh, you needn't be a high roller to have fun playing contests at horse tourneys. Great. Well, I know my listeners will want to pull down their easy win forms while they're uh, uh, checking out the action uh, at com. Well, Eric, first of all, Happy New Year. Uh, great to have you back. I hope you had a good one. I did, John. Same to you. And let me just say, I could listen to you and Marty go on uh, uh, for hours, as you, as you suggested. That was a terrific interview. And and may I say, Marty's a little uh, modest at times, and he's, he's saying how people open up uh, to you in a one-on-one setting. And let me just tell you, John, and you know, I have a journalistic background back in the day. There are plenty of people who conduct one-on-one interviews, and not that many get people to open up to them the way Marty does with his uh, subjects. So uh, that that story on the DeSormos was an inspired piece of work, and it didn't just happen by accident. Marty's very talented at what he does. Yeah, and that story I said about him coming off the elevator and me getting on was true. I had just read the story, and I'm like, oh, look who's getting off the elevator. I'm like, Marty, boom, <laughs> Eclipse Award, you know, and he just walked on. <laughs> so just do my job, man, just do my job. You probably All figured right, you were jinxing him. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why. But, uh, you know, we, we went on to finish the day and have a couple beers at the end uh, when everything was over at Keeneland that day. So all was well. But, uh, all right, big picture, Eric Wing, Rewind. 2018, what hits you as the biggest couple of stories or memories for you? Uh, You know, number one, almost by definition, is justify winning the Triple Crown. Uh, People of a certain age, i.e. our age, remember when the Triple Crown just didn't happen uh, every few years, (laughs) you know. We also are old enough, John, you and I, to remember when it did happen every few years in the 70s. Yes. But then a long drought. And, um, you know, to have Bob Baffert do it again with a horse who hadn't raced as a two-year-old, um, I, I, I think it's been uh, kind of... Some of the thunder was taken away by the fact that American Pharaoh did it three years earlier. And, and I think you're seeing evidence of that in some of the pro-accelerate sentiment for Horse of the Year, but uh, when I think back, and when I think most people think back on the 2018 racing year, they're going to think of Justify and and the tremendous undefeated uh, performance of a horse whose candle uh, burned brightly but briefly. Right. You know, when you think of the awesome thing that he did in the six-week period, it's just, uh, it's unbelievable. You know, sad that uh, uh, his injury, uh, while not career-ending, was enough to set him back in in training and to the point where these guys weren't going to be able to find any prep races before the Breeders' Cup. And uh, the the last thing you want to do is embarrass a a triple crown winner. So, you know, while you have your naysayers going, oh, here we go again, derby winner being retired. Hey, first of all, it is a business. But second of all, you got to do what's right for the horse. And and I think that's what those guys did. I mean, there's plenty of owners involved in the situation and you know the economical impact uh, this will have but yeah i i think what you pointed out was oh now it's an easy thing you know american pharaoh did it then a couple of years later he did it no it, it, that whatever it was 37 gap between affirmed and uh american pharaoh stands it is still an outstanding uh, achievement and accomplishment uh in, in the uh the racing world, there's there's no doubt about it. Uh, I would truly be surprised and upset if Accelerate, who I think is a fantastic horse, got Horse of the Year over Justify, considering the historical implications of the Triple Crown. I, I would as well, John. Um, I would certainly <laughs> accept an accelerate horse of the year if that's what comes to pass but um yeah i I mean and maybe that's wrong of us to feel that way i don't know there there are plenty of bright people who feel otherwise uh i i do feel very strongly that 10 years from now and this is no slap at accelerate but i think 10 years from now we'll all remember justify very clearly and a certain percentage of us 
out in radio land are gonna will have forgotten who Accelerate was. Right, right, and and I think you know, in a lot of his racing, uh, I do believe was uh, not in the national eye. A lot of it was done on the West Coast, and uh, we'll see what happens because I haven't heard enough hype. I guess because outside of Accelerate, there's no other superstar about the Pegasus. Have you? Uh, there's, it's. I think the hype's going to build and build in part because. I think it is going to be a really good field with City of Light in there, the Breeders' Cup mile winner, and at a distance he can well handle at a mile and an eighth. Plus, uh, people are excited, too, that this year there's a, a, a $6 million turf race that's part of the uh, Pegasus weekend. So I, I'm actually looking forward to it a little more this year than maybe even in years past, even with the likes of uh, California Chrome and and uh, arrogate and gun runner, but um, just because I think it's going to be a deeper race. It seemed like the in past Pegas- Pegasuses, Pegasi, um, have, <laughs> have been like two-horse races, and I don't think that's going to be the case this year. So maybe just from a cold crash betting standpoint, I'm looking forward to this year's a little more, whether that translates to... Um, Breaking through into the mainstream consciousness remains to be seen. Uh, and again, it's it's we're not on top of it. And when it does, I'm sure that the uh, the, the media will gear up, uh, you know, interest in it. And obviously, it'll it'll be an outstanding card. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I just uh, I just feel like I guess because there is not a marquee horse, I'm not hearing as much about it. Uh, of course, that uh, race. And, will and, take- and, you know, John, let's not sell accelerate short. I mean, we we may have just thrown a little cold water on his horse of the year aspirations, but I think you know he's every bit the the, the um, marquee horse in terms of uh, you know what his resume says, and you know it doesn't get much better than Breeders' Cup Classic winner and and undoubtedly the. Uh, Older male Eclipse Award winner for 2018. So, um, you know, you you may say, well, he's not as exciting as Arrogate or California Chrome. That's that's up to you know the individual an individual to decide. But I think he's uh, I think he's plenty worthy of uh, top of the marquee status in my book for a race like that. Well stated, Eric Wing, and I will not argue with you. Well, a lot of people tune into the show to find out uh, the handicappers' perspectives on some good races, and Gulfstream Park has a slew of races this uh, week, and I pared it down to three because of time uh, restrictions, and uh, I know you've had a chance to look at it. Weather's usually pretty good down there in the Miami area. Uh Let's take a look now at the Ginger Brew, a seven and a half furlongs on the turf. And uh, it's kind of an interesting mix. I mean, you've got uh, European shippers coming in. Of course, uh, anything that's run on the grass, I immediately look for a Chad Brown. And ironically, there is not a Chad Brown horse in a stakes turf at Gulfstream Park. Did you get a chance to look at the Ginger Brew? Sure did, uh, John. I suppose. Brown's absence from this race constitutes in and of itself something of a slump for him. 
But uh, be that as it may, <laughs> all three races we're going to look at tonight are for three-year-olds, two on the grass, one for boys, one for girls, and one on the dirt. And, and, and these Gulfstream three-year-old races, turf or dirt, are always kind of extra interesting at this time of the year, early January, because it kind of dictates or helps you learn who's going to be good and, and who may be not so good as the year progresses. Uh, t- the horse to beat is going to be Pivotina on the rail, who's uh, uh, making his, her second start in America, third in North America, um, from the Grand Motion Barn. And he, he, she's going to be favored off the closing third under Drayden Van Dyke in the grade three Jimmy Durante at Del Mar. Wow. Yeah. That, what a finish. Yeah, and nobody in the race is going to be bringing credentials in like hers into this race. Um, so she has the the impressive resume. She does she does come from way out of it, which is not usually or can often not be a a plus at Gulfstream, especially if the turf is firm. Uh, the one horse I'm going to mention, you know, Patrick Biancone has a, a first-time U.S. horse that's also first-time Lasix and Blinkers on, and Romero right. Mirage, which has been a potent combination on the grass there this meet. Uh, the horse I'm going to mention that I'm a bit interested in is number seven, Shuby Dooby Doo, who, uh, like Pivotina, is a closer. And let me say there's a lot of speed in this race, John. Um, So it sets up for a horse like Pivotina. I just didn't think that Pivotina ever looked like she was going to be a big threat in that Jimmy Durante, even though she ran third. It it, it was, as graded stakes thirds go, maybe less than than, uh, overwhelming, shall we say. Shuby Dooby Doo has the same running style, arguably the fastest in the race, depending on which speed figures you're you're, uh, using and needs to show that she can get seven and a half furlongs after having been pretty successful at five furlongs and six furlongs on the grass. Don't think she'll be 15 to one like the morning line says, but I think might be a better gamble than Pivotina. There you go. Let's, let's move on to the kitten's joy. One of the greatest turf sires of recent times, for sure. So, obviously, that's seven and a half on the turf. And this one for the three-year-old boys. What cream rises at the top, Eric Wing? Well, uh, uh, hold on as I flip pages uh, frantically. Ah, yes, the kitten's joy, of course. Um, All right, this is sort of the three-year-old male companion race to the ginger brew. Uh, there's going to be a heavy favorite in here, and deservedly so, I think, in number nine, starting on the far outside, Henley's Joy. Uh, you know, if Tevatina's uh, resume looks solid for the ginger brew, then Henley's Joy's looks almost overwhelming in this race. Um, run five times, uh, three wins, a second by a nose, and the one bad race came in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, uh, the one time he got uh, yielding footing when he was uh, 13th in that race out of 14. But most recently comes off a very authoritative four-and-a-half-length win in the pulpit, which is 
sort of the prep for this uh, for this uh, Kittens Joy Stakes race. Uh, Michael Maker, you know, if you're going by speed figures, it's like the second and third best horses in the race are horses that Henley's Joy trashed last time out. So, you know, the, the boarding line odds are three to five, and, and you can see why. Um, but betting three to five is no fun in and of itself. So I, I, I am going to mention the six, Bourbon and May, uh, a Todd Pletcher, Luis Saez uh, horse, 10 to one morning line, and on the face of it you would think just Fletcher and Saez can't possibly have a decent-looking horse go off at that price. He is stepping up out of a maiden win on December 1st. and Let me just say, you know, that horse was bet that day, Bourbon and May was, as if the race had already been run. Uh, it wasn't uh, just because he was 7-5, to five, but if you had handicapped that race, you would have said, oh, there's several contenders in here. And this horse was taking all the action despite never having run beyond five and a half furlongs before. Was bet like a good thing, won like a good thing. And to me, a three-year-old stake in January is much more likely to to be won by an up-and-coming recent maiden breaker than maybe such a race later in the year. So Bourbon in May is the horse that intrigues me along with Henley's Joy. I think I, you know, I would play heavier with Henley's Joy on top, but I would use a reversal in the exacta with Bourbon and May on top as well. All right, we're talking with Eric Wing from Horse Tourneys. It's two minutes to post. That's all I got left on the airtime. One mile, the mucho macho man. And my eye was drawn to Code of Honor, lightly raced, but uh, certainly has a lot of upside with uh, Will Sherris, Will Farish, bred and own. Shug McGahee trained and put in a huge effort, but hasn't been out since that grade one champagne. But I certainly think that means that he's bringing top credentials into the race. Sure is, John. Also very nicely weighted in here. The problem is, as you suggested, Shug has had trouble getting this one to the races. Was pre-entered for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, had to pull out, wasn't entered. Was uh, expected to be entered for the Remsen had a, a fever, uh, according to the reports. So it, he hasn't seemed to miss a workout, but you're talking about a horse that's missed at least some training time. May not be the fastest in here. I'm going to give a strong look to the two on the inside, Garter and Tie and Well-Defined, um, as well as number four, Code of Honor. And I'm hoping to get a little price, particularly with the rail horse, Garter and Tie, whose three races at the one-turn distance like this one at a mile Saturday will be, have all been excellent and fast. Well, uh, you know, it's that time of year where, uh, you know, some of them are coming off the shelves. Some of them may be getting ready for a a run at the Derby. We'll find out. This one is on the main track. It's uh, it's not graded, but it's $100,000. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of these horses uh, down the road at Gulfstream Park. Well, Eric Wang, as always, it is a pleasure having you on these airwaves at Winning Ponies. I wish you nothing but the best. Horsetourneys.com if uh, you guys want to pull down the easy win forms to get an edge on the action there. Eric, thanks a million, man. It's great having you on every time. 
Uh, the pleasure is all mine, John, and, and happy new year to everyone listening at home. All right. We've been talking with Eric Wing. I really want to thank Marty McGee for, for his for his time. Uh, I want to thank uh, our producer, Josh, uh, the king of the, the keyboard, and he keeps me on time. Also want to thank our uh, caterer here at Winning Ponies, Sal Manella, and uh, for our, our transportation coordinator, uh, Lisa Carolla. She's fantastic. And uh, my personal physician that keeps me ready for every one of these shows, uh, Dr. Fager. So I want to thank everybody. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I wish everybody a belated Happy New Year. If you like the show, tell a friend. It'll be on podcast. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.